Okay, so um, for tonight's uh, feature of Behind Enemy Lines, we've got Ed Barker of United Rent. Good evening, Ed. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, we've got um, Man United over at Old Trafford on uh, Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, big game. It's 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 kind of harks back to the uh, pre-Chelsea days, pre-Chelsea and Man City days when uh, it was us to the good old days. Uh, when it was just us two duking it out for the uh, for the honours and, and, and bragging rights. Um, your season so far with Moyes at the helm um, um, has been kind of, it's, it seems to be quite topsy-turvy. Um, I think recently you've kind of sort of like uh, got a few good results going, uh, going for yourselves. But um, how is, how is, what's, what's the season been like in your eyes, in your estimation so far? Yeah, well... So, on the face of it, 10 wins in 17 and 8 unbeaten sounds alright, doesn't it? But in truth, it's been a little underwhelming, and I think uh, most United fans thought it might be. Um, there's uh, there's the nature of the football. Moyes' approach is a little more cautious than Ferguson's. Uh, he's getting used to his players. He uh, quite conspicuously left some players out of the team. Uh, he said on several occasions, well, somebody told me that uh, Shinji Kigao was good. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I hadn't seen much of him in, on, the, on the telly, uh, let alone the training pitch. So, no, there's been some odd moments. Uh, the, the approach, as I said, is very cautious. Um, uh, the, the match at Real Sociedad the other day was an example of that. United well on top, uh, really didn't look for the win. And uh, that's been the case in several games. So there's some frustration. But, hey, he's got a six-year contract. Uh, I think United fans, at least United fans my age, um, remember when the club wasn't in such a great position. So, you know, I don't think it, it augurs very well if we're being impatient so early in the season. So, you know, six years, uh, not a halfway through the season yet. So, you know, we can be patient, but it's not been great. Mm -hmm. um, and... What do you? What, how did? What did you make of the the summer going for? I mean, because for a time you were, we yeah. were on a path for being who you know to see who was the worst, who made the worst fist of transfer dealings in the summer, didn't we? We were yeah. both as bad as each other at one point. So, so it was embarrassing, <laughs> and uh, it, it was embarrassing because it was conducted in public and it was conducted in a an extremely naive fashion. Uh, you know, the word I have on the inside is that uh, Moyes did his. Uh, credibility not much good, uh, but the real culprit of the summer was Ed Woodward, who's the executive vice chairman. He's effectively the CEO now um, that uh, David Gill has gone. So uh, here's a man who's uh, five or six years uh, into his time in football, uh, let alone leading a football club. He's a, a marketing executive brought on board by the Glazers to execute on a global strategy to uh, make money out of regional sponsorships, he's done that very well. I mean, a huge increase in sponsorship revenue. A, a man who doesn't understand the world of football, let alone uh, the world of the transfer market, you know, you have to be good in the dark arts. Uh, it's not just about spending big bucks. And, and uh, I think he was found out, you know, there was a series of very embarrassing bids. Um, the, the very public chase for Cesc Fabregas, who used the club to better his position at Barcelona. The... Uh, the approach for Thiago, which was months and months old, uh, then dumped when Moyes decided he didn't like the player, or at least didn't know the player. Um, on the last day, bids for, um, it seems, Sami Kadira 
uh, perhaps even Francesco Totti uh, embarrassing that one never going to happen so you know it, it's a series of of real gaffes in the transfer market it's and the reason why that's particularly embarrassing is because United were very smooth operators in the transfer market before they knew what they wanted sure there were players that turned the club down in the past when the money wasn't right or uh, another club came in uh, but for the most part you know for all the criticism you can direct at David Gill uh, he he did that part of the business very smoothly and and this wasn't the case you know United fans are not used to dealing with such an amateurish behavior it's it, listening to your description of um of Edward Wood, I just I got visions of Edward of, of I, Ivan Gazidis. That was my thoughts exactly. <laughs> scarily similar, um, <laughs> you know, uh, ways of doing business. I mean, it it was inter- it was quite interesting watching how Man United were conducting. So I mean, especially when you see you said you know you had uh, uh, Mr. Gill there before that, and I think before him you had Peter Kenyon before he he jumped mm. ship. So you've always had sort of very good operators, you know, very football savvy operators in that position before then and. Seeing Edward Woodward coming in uh, and doing as he did, probably, uh, I don't know, must have left a sour taste in all your mouths. But anyway, going into the season, um, you know, uh, you're saying that Moyes has adopted a more cautious approach. What are Man United fans used to? I know you, I get the impression you guys are used to seeing swashbuckling football, you know, as long, even if you lose, as long as you go out there and, you know, play bravely and for the shirt or, you know, for the, in, in, yeah. You know, in well, but, I mean, that's the myth, of course, right? Mm. And, and, and many times that, that's the case under Ferguson, you know, 20, 25 years and, and for many of those years, um, the, the tactics were a little naive. And I guess in the last decade, he's, he's taken, uh, you know, a, a more conservative approach, especially in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that, um, when there's a conservative choice and a bold choice, Moyes always takes the conservative one, whether it's a, a tactical change or a player selection or an approach in a game. I mean, uh, again, I, I talk about the Real Sociedad the other day. You know, United was so superior, uh, and yet uh, you felt that, um, it, you know, it wasn't until late into the game when um, there was any attempt to press home advantage and, and it's happened before you know the the draw against Southampton at Old Trafford a fantastic case in point United 1-0 up five minutes ago takes a striker off and puts a central defender on I, I cannot believe that Ferguson would have made that choice uh, you know in fact I think United might have gone for the second under Ferguson whatever the time in his career and he certainly got more conservative as he got older um but Moyes didn't, and it blew up in his face. So uh, that, that's the kind of thing. And I, I guess old school fans like me that, that are used to both good football and you know and winning sides are a bit disappointed if we only get one of them, or or sometimes neither of them. Sure. Okay. Cool. I'm going to open the floor to um, to some of the other guys. Um, uh, Leo, have you got any questions for Ed? Well, yeah, we've touched on most of the major topics. You know that outsiders would have had about United. Uh, but one that I was kind of curious is, you know, obviously the season in the league hasn't gotten off to exactly the start that you guys would hope for. How do you see things playing out for the rest of the year? And when do you expect yeah. Moyes to make the turnaround? Yeah. So, I mean, it's very rare for there to be a, a huge point swing from one season to the next. So for United, uh, for example, uh, to, um, to head into doomsday scenario and drop out of the top four would take something like a 30-point point swing. So I don't expect that to happen. And I think there are signs now, very slowly, that the players are getting it. And 
and and Moyes has definitely brought in a new tactical regime. So um, United are playing with with wide players who tuck in. That wasn't the case before. Uh, the fullbacks are definitely pushing forward. He has two players in the centre of the park that are sitting. There's no one running ahead of the ball from from the centre. So you know people are getting used to that, and I think the the squad is good enough that United will make the top four easily. Uh, I I predicted before the season that United would finish third, and I think that was a safe prediction simply because of the massive change that happened in the summer. I mean, we had David Gill and Alex Ferguson go. We had four coaches leave. Uh, we had only one major acquisition in that, the wrong player. Um, I think many United fans agree on that one. Uh, and, and so, you know, too much change to win the title, I think. But uh, again, uh, not enough to force United into some kind of doomsday scenario. And there's still money, you know. Um, there may be £300 million worth of debt. It's eating away at the profits, but there's definitely cash there to spend if it's really necessary. Cal? I had, um, yeah, I had a couple of questions. One of the ones, um, staying on topic of Moyes, really, is is what you make of his um, decisions regarding a couple of players. Um, I have to say, for the life of me, I can't understand why Kagawa doesn't seem to be in favour. Uh, perhaps mm-hmm. I'm not watching him enough, but I remember when you guys signed him last summer, and this was before um, we got Gazzola, but I was absolutely gutted because it was a lot of talk about him coming to Arsenal. A lot of, and, a lot of, I mean, a lot of was, Arsenal fans were gutted, I remember going, sorry. Yeah, and he was, I mean, because he was Bundesliga Player of the Year two years running or something like mm-hmm. that. And, um, and often when I watch United uh, under Moyes, I, I often think they need that little creative spark behind um, Van Persie and Rooney to kind of get things going. And Kagawa seems like. Um, a player able to do that um, yeah. and also Wilfred Zahar I mean I, the thing is I understand that he's young and, and he's raw but I mean, uh, you, I mean from what I've seen your wingers the other wingers apart from Yanazai who's been superb um, haven't particularly been um, brilliant this season so it seems I find it odd that he hasn't been um, chosen at all so, so what do you make about both Kagara and Zahar do you think they've not been given a, a fair chance under Moyes is that a fair thing to say no, I think it's a fair comment. So um, Kagara is a specialist. He's he's a player who plays at, at ten, but he's uh, what he's really good at is in the transition from attack to defence, and and you can see in the way Dorman played. Very good result for Arsenal, by the way, the other night. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, 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 excellent result. And but but their real strength was turning defence into attack in in a lightning quick time, and Kagawa is central to that. So I don't think he's a classic ten, uh, but he's certainly someone who would fit in. Uh, to a united system of some kind, an attacking system. The, the, the problem I see is that Moyes, uh, I just don't remember a time when he's ever played with that kind of player. He, he just doesn't. So I think the best that Kagawa can hope for is that he plays in uh, that sort of left-sided position and, and tucks in, much the way that Stephen Pienaar did for uh, Everton for a few years. But uh, the way I see it, I think he's about 60 or 70% of the player. Uh, that he would have been at, at Dortmund uh, as a result of that. I don't think he's going to get that uh, crack of the whip in, in the number 10 position. That's a real shame because he's a massively talented player and United are missing out there. And uh, he'll probably probably leave as a result, if not in January, then by the summer. Wow. And then Zahar. Um, so, look, he's raw and, and his big failing, and it is a big failing, is that he keeps the ball far too long and uh, he needs to know when to release it and when to dribble when to pass and when to shoot and and this is you know a winger who's raw and naive and, and doesn't always make the best decisions but he showed against Norwich recently that he's got bags of talent he's 
he's certainly not going to get much better sitting in the reserves. Uh, that's for sure. So it's an odd one, especially given that Antonio Valencia has spent two years um, well below his peak. Nani is incredibly frustrating. I mean, he signed a five-year contract. I think mainly that's to retain his transfer value. I'm not sure that everyone at the club is, is certain about Nani. He's not going to get any better. Although, you know, massive, massive amount of talent, just not consistent. Uh, Ashley Young, uh, well, you know, less said about him, the better he's... <laughs> pretty embarrassing frankly um and and the, you know the big hope now is of course Yanazai who's who's um, everyone knew how good he was in the reserves and, and the funny thing is he played at number nine last season played as a striker and, and the season before in the academy as a as a kind of floating player so he can play anywhere he's more talented than the rest of them uh, by some distance um but uh you know uh, getting back to Zahar shame he's not had a chance uh, I hope he does Rick. And I want to talk about Yanzar. I mean, all this talk about, and I'm going to go off the Moyes subject for a little bit, all this talk about him, you know, being an England player and, you know, going like that. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, well, um, I'm not of the kind of little England uh, mentality. There's been plenty of players played for England that weren't born in the country. So uh, I suppose if uh, that was his choice, then fine. Uh, You know, as I understand it, uh, that's uh, it's really not logistically possible. He's only just turned 18. It's five years until he qualifies for a passport. So uh, it's probably not going to happen. Although he's turned down Belgium at every age group to date. So and that's where I look at it. He's turned down Belgium, and he he's kind of I mean he's playing brilliantly. So would you not encourage it? I suppose if this is his adopted country, he's just signed a new contract at United. You know, great great news there. A lot of people were very nervous about that one. We've certainly yeah. seen. Uh, where Paul Pogba went uh, and how good he is now. It's a massive loss. But um, So, look, he, he's going to be at the club for a long time to come. Uh, I suppose if he wants to wait, then it could happen. feels like a very long, long way away, doesn't it? And uh, maybe his international future will be solved before then. Certainly, if he has a brilliant season, Belgium happened to make an offer to go to the World Cup, you'd think it might be solved. Hmm, cool. Um, I just want to ask... Um, the appointment of Moyes, when it was announced that Moyes was being brought in, did you think, oh, that's a really good appointment? Um, or did you think, oh, there should have been more thought behind it? I mean, the, I, looking, my, my view as an outsider looking in, it seemed like it was a succession plan rather than a selection process. I could so be it wrong. certainly was, yeah. There was no selection process. Uh, Moyes was picked uh, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, uh, Mourinho was never in with a shout. Uh, you know, th- those who get some word of this uh, you know, kind of knew that he was he was not liked in the boardroom. So that was never going to happen. Uh, p- personally, uh, I think it's a little underwhelming and not very ambitious uh, as a selection for manager. Uh, you know, I look at an Everton side that played uh, some very functional football over many years I don't think he really developed that side sure he didn't have much money to spend and he did that well uh, and I suppose if you want to be very cynical about it the, the same may be true at United given how much uh, much money is disappearing to debt um, but you know it, it's, it, put it this way so if you were to think of the ideal CV for Manchester United you know one of the world's biggest football clubs the most successful club in the country over the last 20 years or so would David Moyes' CV be it? No, probably not. And and so there's, you get these two camps. A lot of people who feel a bit underwhelmed, but 
you know, old school fans quite prepared to give him time and, 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 and a few others who are highly supportive and then you get the crowds on Twitter that you should probably ignore who are like Moyes out hashtag uh, and uh, you know that's that's not the um, that's not the majority United support but but you know he's he's not going to get six years before he gets his first trophy like Ferguson did that's for sure what do you think Ed about this um, a lot of people have, have pointed to the fact that you know because obviously succeeding Alex Ferguson is an impossible task that Moyes was brought in kind of as the man to basically be the buffer between Alex Ferguson and the next great manager that comes in. Um, do you think that's something that, you know, perhaps why it was a safe choice? Um, thinking Who's that, the next know, great manager? You know, why that's, why that's that's perhaps, the problem, yeah. Well, Pep Guardiola perhaps in, in three or four years or something like that. But that's something I've, I, don't, I don't particularly hold much credence to that. But a lot of people have said that. They thought that, you know, they could have gone big and gone for someone like Mourinho after Ferguson and it could have failed. Whereas, you know, Moyes is a little more low profile safe for bare hands perhaps I mean what do you think of that didn't ask any any uh, anything in that or so I think there's no it's, it's fair enough to say that Moises is a safe choice right I mean you have a, an owner in the Glazer family who, who are very conservative uh, in terms of their public profile um, who uh, don't like a lot of bad press uh, who are very mindful of their the public image you could have just, just spoken about Stan Kroenke. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, they, they say just about as much as he does, and that's not much, right? So, uh, so you know, they they are they are there to uh, run a business and to make a pile of cash, and they, I mean, it's not cash yet, except for the proceeds from the IPO that they took last summer. Uh, but they, you know, they real they will at some stage realise a huge profit on the asset. Uh, and they don't want to rock that boat. So Moyes was a safe choice. Of course, you know, the business plan is predicated on United staying in the top four and doing okay in the Champions League. No more than that. You know, they don't have to win the, the title every year for the business plan to work out okay. Uh, the club is, is you know, has a long-term sponsorship plan, which they'll execute on because um, it's very high profile around the world. That's not really going to change if there are a few years of slightly less success. Um, and and we know that because if if they really wanted and needed to win every trophy in order to maximise the the profits, they would have been spending. You know, you spend to in, you invest to accumulate wealth, and uh, in most businesses, except in football, it seems where as long as you do just about okay, uh, you'll you'll make the returns you want, and that that's what the family are like. So Moyes perfectly safe for them. Uh, he's logical. Uh, there won't have been any resistance in the boardroom. And, um, you know, that's, that's why he's in place. And Ferguson wanted him. Mm -hmm. cool. um, I just want to ask another question. The, the job that Ferguson did in the later years of his Man United reign, I'm wondering, is it an even more sensational job he's done with that squad, looking at how they're playing now under a new manager? Because if, as an outsider looking in, it's... Your two centre halves are towards coming towards the twilight um, end of their years, their playing careers. The midfield, I know Carrick is is a steady, he's a steady ship. Um, he's functional, you know. He, he does he part. He's got a good range of passing, but he's not dynamic. 
Um, you've got Giggs, who's at 40s, and obviously, uh, he's, I've got to start taking up yoga. Yoga, do you know what I mean? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's defying, he's defying the aging process. But apart from, I don't think it's just yoga in Giggs's case. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's, he's his <laughs> sister-in-law as well. Um, but that's another story. But um, you know, apart from you, you're two up front, and obviously you've got the young kid Yanazai, the squad. It, to me, it doesn't look that great, and I, I, I think to myself, Fergie must have done a, an outstanding job to wrestle the title back off of um, off of Chelsea, and, and oh, sorry, not Chelsea, of, of Man City, and, and and win it as emphatically as they did last season with the squad he had. What, what, what do you make of that? I mean, the analysis is fair, although um, I'd say that the squad is probably a little better than than maybe uh, an outsider might think. So, uh, look, he, he definitely uh, got greater than some of the parts out of that squad in the last two or three years, for sure. Right? This is this is nowhere near as talented as the 2008 side, for example. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that was the side that had Rini Tevez and Ronaldo up front, mm. causing mayhem in Europe. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, you know, some proper midfielders, Skulls mm. and Carrick and, and Giggs, you know, not quite as old as he is now, and, and only Hargreaves in there too. So, mm. some real talent in that 2008 side. This side's nowhere near as good as that. But it's, you know, in individuals, there's plenty of talent. So, you can make a case for a much more positive story. Top, top goalkeeper in David De Gea has really grown in the last two years. Rafael has come on loads at right back. Fernand and Vidic, when they play in a certain system where they don't need to be so mobile, so a lot deeper, they're still doing really well um you know, smalling and evans and jones have their day although in all of them there is a mistake for sure and, and ever is is having an indian summer you know he's been fantastic this season was as well last season so you know through the defense there's plenty of quality there uh, and in midfield there's just about enough you know carrick has held that together and and it, you know it's credible really that uh, it took six years to buy a midfielder and when they did they spent uh, about fifteen million pounds too much on a player of, you know, Fellaini's quality. But uh, you know, when you have Rooney and, and uh, Van Persie up front, there's goals there, and and goals get you a long way. It got United all the way to the title last mm-hmm. season, and it should get United um, comfortably into the Champions League places this season. Yeah, I think you make a good point about. Um, I, I I did notice last season that uh, Ferguson obviously went out and bought um, the traitor. I'm sorry, but he is. Um, um, you know, and it seems like he decided, like, okay, the best way to win this title is not not really through. It's actually scoring more goals than your opponents, and it seems as though just looking at the way teams are, or the the, the, the six bigger teams in the Premiership are looking at forward attacking players, and they're spending a lot of money on attack. You know, whether it's to entertain the Premiership or they actually believe that attack is the first form of defence, I'm not sure, but. Definitely, I, I I agree with the assertion that you know, you you you, you top load, you top load um, your, your your attack and and, and you, you know you go out and you just blast out you know the the opposition, you know. Um, I just um, wanted to ask. So you know we know obviously we know Ferg, um, we know Rooney, Van Persie. We know who you we know who your 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 attacking players are. You know the danger men are. Who are the others in the Man United system that um, you know are likely to shine, or you think will should sh- or expected to shine on on, on Sunday? Uh, so, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what the first eleven will be. To be honest, it's um, there are so many 
places that uh, appear to be in flux at the moment. So, you know, I think we can assume that um, De Gea and Everett will definitely play, and those are the only two of the back five that, that I know will play. Uh, you know, Raphael's injured. Um, will Evan and Evans and, and Jones come back in? Probably just because of the pace, I think, and, and the fact that Arsenal have so many mobile players. So, you know, if United are going to get anything out of Sunday, uh, that back four has got to play well. And they'll probably need the pace, so I expect Evans and Jones will play. You know, I like both of them as players. Uh, Evans gets out of position too much. Jones is just a bit naive. Um, I think they're both fine players. Uh, so, you know, they've got to shine. And Michael Carrick's out, so Fellaini needs to have a big game. Uh, he needs to have a really big game, and he hasn't had one yet in a United shirt. And in fact, he just looks a bit mediocre. And I'm sure there's much more to come from him. And Moyes just hasn't quite find, found uh, the best way of playing him because he, he plays in this really deep position where he plays a lot of very safe passes at the moment. That's not exactly how he played at Everton. So there's more to come. So maybe he'll shine on Sunday. You know, maybe the big game will bring the best out of him. Uh, and then in wide areas, uh, pick any. But uh, Ganazai, surely will he not start? He will because he sat out the game in Spain. So he'll yeah. definitely start and. Um, he's an interesting one because you know he doesn't stick to only one particular position. Uh, he's uh, he was described by a, a friend on Twitter as being made on made of velvet. You know, he's uh, he's very very silky and he, he moves in a lovely fashion. He's got great balance and and he could be the difference, of course, you know. But it um, it knocks United out of shape and if if he plays, Kagawa won't. Right. Yeah, because they don't play at the same time. So I'd, I'd expect Yanazai to start the left and Valencia on the right. Uh, a safer pair of hands there. It's certainly, uh, certainly good in defensive situations. And then, you know, the rest of the side picks itself because um, Flaney's definitely going to start character out. And, and um, I would guess that Giggs will start in the middle with him. Mm-hmm. Although he did on Tuesday, so it depends on fitness. And if, if it's not Giggs... It's going to be cleverly, and, and he's very rusty, and he looks very lightweight this season. I'd just like to ask it. I mean, there's been a lot of bravado amongst the Arsenal fans in the lead up to this game, which is, I have to admit, has got me very worried that it's all going to backfire on us. But I mean, are the United fans fearful of Arsenal at the moment, or is there this feeling that you guys are going to burst our bubble, and that we're still, you know, I mean, because especially over the last few years, we haven't done particularly well at Old Trafford. Um, or so is there a feeling that it'll be more of the same and, and then you'll be the ones to, to bring us down or is there a genuine fear that we're going to turn up and, and actually do some damage and, and maybe even get a win how, how so, are the United fans feeling as a whole definitely a different atmosphere sorry definitely a different atmosphere around this one than there has been in the past for sure um, you know what is it it's got to be a decade since Arsenal came to Old Trafford as, as favourites for the game uh, and which you know, in in terms of form, you, that's you know that's the that's the right assessment, isn't it? You know, Arsenal are favourites for this game because uh, Arsenal are playing a lot better than United at the moment. But uh, I think anyone who says that United cannot or, or you know are not winning a very good shot winning this game don't know anything about um, United as a club. Uh, I think there's a set of very determined players there. They're all Ferguson's players except for the one who came in the summer. Um, they uh, they all know what's expected. The atmosphere will be great at Old Trafford, uh, which isn't very often these days. But you know it will be for this one, uh, and you know I'm sure the players will be up for it. So I wouldn't bet against United uh, turning up for this particular game. 
don't think United are favourites. I think tactically Arsenal will probably outmaneuver United, certainly in midfield. It'll be three against two, or in fact, five against two in some scenarios. And uh, I think United are in for a tough game. But, um, you know, there's been plenty of occasions in the past that we've thought that, and, uh, and this team has uh, pulled out results. So, you know, I think it still could go either way. It needs United's best performance of the season, and that could happen. I have to, I have to agree with you. I mean, it's um, it's maybe every time I see a, you know, some overly excited Arsenal fan saying that we're going to turn you over or something like, it makes me, it makes me very uncomfortable because I, even though undoubtedly, you know, this isn't the same Manchester United that, I mean, under under Sir Alex Ferguson that really had our number. You know, it's still Manchester United, and it's still Old Trafford, and it's still. Mm-hmm. Robin Van Persie was going to be uh, striking against us, so I mean I I'm, I know when the game comes around I will be absolutely shitting myself when it comes to it, yeah. um, and you know whilst the form book says that you know Arsenal I mean we, we are the favourites but I, I I really cannot call it. But part of me thinks that we might win by a goal or two, another part of me thinks um, United will, will hurt us and, and Van Persie and Rooney will run the show and. Uh, it's, well, all I really know is that it's going to be a great game, I think. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think the Man United are still favourites. I think there's been too many times where we've gone there and they, the Man United have put in a, they've turned up and they've put in a performance against us, um, you know, chiefly the you know the, the 50th game, you know. Um, Just feels like they're getting their rhythm back as well. You yeah, know, they've, you it's know, not been, they've not been spectacular, yeah. but they've been a hell of a lot better than... Than it, they were early in the season. Mm. That's my take on it, anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't make us. If we are favourites, it's got to be very, very short odds. Maybe even, yeah. even you know what I mean. But um, yeah. Maybe uh, I, maybe I'm being too positive, but I think this is the worst United team for 25 years. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm being honest. In cohesion and in the way they're looking, the way that they don't seem to have the confidence, I. You know, and I think it's got to do with the change of manager. You know, do I think that this is going to be the same United in six months? No, I don't. I really don't. I think Moyes is, you know, a great manager, and I, I think he's going to go on and and have. Well, no one can have a similar history to Sir Alex Ferguson, but he's he's certainly going to be very successful as a United manager. But right now, you know, we're in such a transition period. I, I think this is. As I said, I think this is the worst team for United in 25 years in terms of confidence, in terms of their uh, the way that they're they're playing together. I, I think we we could see a a mirror image of you know the eight two. Oh, don't he said it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know everyone's waiting for me not to say it. Everyone was kind of like, don't say it, don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, we're gonna listen to this back next week. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, uh, that won't happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to agree with the, with the, with, the, with you there. Don't I? Yeah, far, far too far too conservative. United are not, are not going to get spanked. Um, if anything, um, Moyes will send his players out to keep it extremely tight. So um, I, I wouldn't expect eight to be shipped. Sees us leave with three points would put me over the moon. Mm, so I would, I would take a point at this point. I mean, just the fact that yeah, we, exactly. beat, we beat Liverpool, we beat Palace, we beat Norwich in the league the last three games. We've been to Dortmund in the week and won. You offer me a point right now. I mean, United are eight points behind Arsenal at this point in time. I think they need they need the win more than we do. Mm. No, I think, yeah. So, uh, w- one last thing I wanted to say, I guess, because um, I, I spoke on 
uh, the United Rant podcast earlier in the season about what a difference a catalyst makes and mm. and you know and and Meza Ozil has been that for Arsenal yeah mm. whether he solved all Arsenal's problems or not you know is open to question right but but um, just that one purchase yeah. I think he's greater than right. that. I think he's even great. I, you, people have been saying he's our. This is our Dennis Burkhanser and saying, and I believe he. Uh, the, the early signs are he is even if he's not playing particularly well. The fact that he's there, yeah. The mere fact that he's there boosts the other players thirty forty percent. I think. I mean, I the last couple that. of days, the last couple of games, he's not been playing well. He's not been playing particularly well. You know, last night he had one minute, he had one moment, he put the cross in, you know, Giroud knocked it down, um, uh, Ramsey stooped to header. But generally, in the last few games, he's not been the same player we've seen earlier in the season, but I think the fact that he's there, you know, breeds a lot like, of confidence. I think when we look at Van Persie last season, it seemed that even when United or Van Persie were having a bad game, he'd still get a goal. I mean, with Ursula, it seems like he'll get an assist out of nowhere. I mean, he did get here when against Liverpool when Ramsey scored that you know, screamer it was still from Hurts or the ball mm. um, and I think the thing the difference is I mean obviously when Man United bought Van Persie last summer it elevated them from you know, the second best team in the country to the first the best team in the country really ahead of City whereas Hurts always just taken us from nowhere men to genuine contenders I think that's the difference but I think you're right Ed about that signing can make all the difference and mm. I think you know we talk about um Sir Alex Ferguson, I think you know throughout. You can look at his, his time at, Ferg, uh, at United, and you can you can see clearly you know the different teams he's had. You know, obviously with you know, Sparky and and uh, Steve Bruce and these kind of guys, and then it moves on to you know Cantona Beckham, and yeah, all the exactly all these guys, and then obviously when you won the Champions League in 2008 with your Tevez, your Ronaldo, your Rooney's, um, and then I think at the end, I think as, I think I agree with you, Ed, that this squad is better than people give it credit for. But at the same time, I don't think it is a. It can be compared to the great squads that you've had previously, and, and I think Ferguson knew that. I think he knew that he couldn't. It was going to take him a, a number of years to get up to that level again. So what he did was he went and bought one world-class player in Van Persie last summer, and that. that I mean, in the end, he won you the title. He mm. was the difference between you and City, I think. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think a lot of right. kind of forget what a world-class player can do because. A lot of people, you know, during our lean years, and I'll say lean in brackets, they 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 kind of, you know, thought, oh well, you know, one player can make the difference. Or so we've brought Ozil, and in our first game, I, I was against Sunderland. He brought it down with his left foot. He puts it into Giroud. Mm. It was what what a touch! Yeah, and everyone was going on about that touch, the way he brought that ball down. And then you look at our our closest and dearest rivals, Tottenham. Look at Bale. You know, Bale. A great player, you know, mm. for all for all his faults of being mm. a Tottenham fan, he's he's a great player. Mm. Um, he's gone to Real Madrid, and they've really missed him. Mm. And, and I think a lot of people they go on about these uh, forty, fifty million pound players, dollar players, and they say, "Are these players worth it? You know, are they really worth that amount of money?" And I think if you look at the likes of Ozil, Van Persie, um, Ronaldo, Messi. They genuinely do. One player can make a difference, and I think what Ed said was that that word was just so important, catalyst. And I, I honestly think that that's absolutely correct. Mm. I think Ozil is going to be the catalyst to a, a new Arsenal team mm. that is going to really dominate for the next three or four years. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it, I, I really hope so. But it's. Uh, I, I think, a what, long it, way I, to I think what it, what it means you need that one player. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But, Honestly, I would. Yeah, tell. I, I see what I see what Rick's saying. I mean, I don't think Rick's saying that he's the sole reason we'll win trophies, but he's opened the door. He's made yeah, it better. Oakdale has made, made us much more attractive and marketable. And he's given confidence. And I mean, given confidence. we all know that the yeah. Arsenal stores sold out of shirts for yeah. two months. Yeah. You know, it, that's a huge amount of confidence, and we've seen that in America. The amount of people that have come and been interested in showing up to pubs and in wanting to be involved in Arsenal and wanting to wear an Arsenal shirt. Um, and I know some people might say it's a, a kind of a, maybe a glory following. Um, but we all remember the first player that we first loved. Yeah. And, you know, we all remember that player. And, and that's how it comes from. These kids are going to look at Ozil and think, wow, you know, th- this is great. Mm. And that's not just a catalyst for the team, it's a catalyst for the club. And I think that that's very important. Cool. All right, then. Um, Ed, oh, just one more thing, Ed. Um, we've run quite seriously over time, but uh, recently um, there's been a lot of um, talk, uh, controversy uh, amongst Arsenal fan base about the um, the atmosphere at the Emirates and um, the, 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 the policing of the home fans and the way the away fans are allowed to you know, sing and dance and jump up and do whatever they want. Um, I read recently that Man United had had, had orchestrated, they had their organised singing section for the uh, recent home match against Real Sociedad. Am I right? Um, what has That's that done? Great. What has that done to to affect the atmosphere? Do you think it was a good thing, or do you think it didn't need it, or what's your what's your thoughts on that? So, so the thinking behind it was that uh, the atmosphere at Old Trafford has died, as it has in many, many home games uh, for many clubs around the country. Uh, and we all know why, right? Prices have gone up, yeah. the nature of the fans has changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of older fans now, the younger kids can't afford to go in. Mm. Uh, whereas United's away support is, is fantastic. And, uh, you know, any, any United fan who's been to quite a few away in games will tell you that it's um it's the best atmosphere to watch United in by miles. You know I enjoy same, same with so, yeah yeah enjoy going to away games much more than home games. Mm. And um and part of the reason is just the nature of the supporters that are there. And uh, the singing section at Old Trafford was an attempt to bring some of that into Old Trafford and uh, attempt to you know corral some of those loyal fans um into one place. You know and and it it took some flack and uh, you know. Um, I heard one Liverpool fan laugh about singing section because, you know, the copies, their singing section, you know. Well, I've been to Anfield when it's been pretty quiet, you know, mainly because yeah. we've been stuffing them. But uh, <laughs> um, it's, look, uh, and, you know, there's some derision to be had there for sure. Anything that's going to help, right, you know. And, and the real thing, of, of course, that would help most is is uh, not to have jacked the prices up by 75% uh, over the last eight years or so but you know I don't think there's going to be a reverse in that mm. if a singing section helps a bit then great you know uh, it's not going to harm is it right good stuff cool alright so before we uh, end the uh, the, the uh, this this, this uh, part of the show um, as we always do we ask you for the, to predict the score line and the first scorer and also the amount of <laughs> the amount of free kicks you'll think Arsenal will get in the game. Do we, do we even check these obscure stats <laughs> in the game? Does, does Somebody somewhere will be, Cal. So, Ed, scoreline, yeah. first scorer, and how many free kicks you think Arsenal will get in the game? 
so, so I better be consistent. Uh, mm. I said on our, our pod this week uh, that um, it would be two up, and uh, let first scorer. Let's uh, let's go for uh, Adnan Yanazai screamer. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> uh, free kicks for Arsenal. Um, Twelve. Great stuff. All right. It's been great having you on, Ed. It's been a really, really insightful, very interesting conversation. Um, and we shall say, let the best team win and the worst team lose. Yeah, as, as always. Uh, yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, um, thanks for having me on. Good to chat. Cool. And I, I, we'll have to ask David Moyes, what's he, what, what does he like on his pizza? But um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much for coming on, Ed. No problem. Great Thanks, stuff. Thank you. And that was Ed Parker, Ed Barker, should I say, of the United Rent podcast, um, with the uh, on our behind enemy lines feature. So, guys, um, hopes and expectations for the for the match ahead. Uh, we'll start with the with the guest, uh, Rick. What are your hopes and expectations for this weekend's game? Oh, I mean, I, uh, hopes and expectations. You've got to split them up, haven't you? Um, uh, expectations. Um, Going into the game, play defensively. See it as another Dortmund. You know this is a, it, it's a good side. Whenever you play against Man United at Old Trafford, you know it's going to be. Um, as Ed said earlier, the the crowd are going to turn up. There's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, you know, hopefully it's not intimidating. Um, you know, to some of our players, we know that Ozil's a great midfielder. You know, and he's really our newest player. He's not going to be intimidated. Flamini has been through this before. That's if he plays. Um, really and truly, I think we can go there and and hope that we could nick a win. Go to like we went to Dortmund, play. Not parking the bus. That's not the right metaphor. But making sure that we just are defensive, making sure we know what we're doing. Let's hope that Arteta has another great game like he did in midweek. Um, and get to half time, uh, and then be very positive. Go out there and, and think that you know we can own this. We can get this. Cool. All right, um, Cal. I, I agree with Rick largely, but what I have to say is that if you look at our two great wins this week, you know the first one against Liverpool was we knew we were the better team. We played our game. We we did it very well, and we came out on top against Dortmund. We knew that if we tried to play our game, we'd probably be hit on the counter like we did at the Emirates and we'd lose now I don't think we have to go to Old Trafford necessarily and think like we did at Dortmund because Manchester United are a very good team but they're not they're not Borussia Dortmund at the moment so I think we can go there and also it would be brilliant if we just went there and rather than play kind of um, this kind of open kind of game we, we just kind of keep it we do keep it solid as Rick says but at the same time we also dominate the midfield because if we can dominate Liverpool's midfield, I think we can dominate United's one. You know, cleverly gigs, whoever's in there. I, I fancy, and also Carrick does go a bit missing in a big game, so I fancy us, and especially if Lamley's back, I really fancy us taking control of that midfield. Um, so, <laughs> I bet if you know, ignoring you know the football and gods as such, and just thinking about the game in a purely pragmatic term, I think we have the quality to go there to dominate the play. We don't have because you know in years gone by we'd go out there attack United would just stop us and then they would score you know because they had so many good quality players. I don't think we need to be quite so gung ho about it. We just need to take a step back, look at the game, and know that we can pass the ball better. We have better players in the midfield, and from that I'm sure we'll create chances. I don't think we need to 
either be too gung ho or too defensive like a Dortmund. We just need to basically just, just play as we've been playing all season. And, and, and if we do that, if Mert and Koscielny decide to have another stormer and keep Van Persie and Rooney quiet, then I think we'll get the win. Um, but then there's also the part of me that thinks we'll lose 2 1 to a dodgy penalty. So it's <laughs> really, I have no idea. It's, it's, it's Man United, do you know what I mean? I don't know who the referee is, but. They've got a dodgy penalty in them. They've got right. we might get to see a, a stupid red card. It's just okay. just because it's Manchester fucking United. So. Right. Cool, um, Leo. Well, going to Old Trafford's never easy, but I think if there were a time that you'd want to be playing United at their place, I think it's now. You know, they're as we said before, probably this is the probably the weakest squad they've had in a couple decades, and. Old Trafford's not been the fortress that it usually is so far this season. In the league, I think they've taken eight points from five matches at home. Yeah. Uh, drawing with Southampton at home. Uh, losing to West Brom. Yeah, losing to West Brom. I think that there's no reason that we couldn't go in there and get a result, especially coming off the back of the two results that we've had this week. You know, I'm, I like our chances. You know, there's always the threat of Van Persie and Rooney. They're two very talented attacking players, and but I could see this being a, a 2-1, you know, a 3-2. Now, who knows? But if there's a time you want to be playing United, this is it. But, Leo, does that not make you think? For me, it kind of makes me think because we're, the, the be, I think, the better team, the more informed team, it makes me think that we're going to lose. It's just this weird <laughs> thing I have with Arsenal that I just think, yeah, we're yeah, playing well, better, we've got the years. better. I mean, I take De Gea and Van Persie in, in, my, in the Arsenal team, and that's pretty much about it. Um, right. The rest of it, I think, defensively in the midfield, especially, we're dominant. But <laughs> all of this considered, and especially because now Percy plays for them, of course, and Moyes is not yet to get that big win. I just feel like either we just don't turn up and they beat us, or we lose to a dodgy pair. It's just I've got I've had this feeling for weeks about this game. And well, the yeah. last couple of years we've had games where we've been in a position that you know we needed the result or it was a chance to really you know stamp our authority on a season and we've kind of hit that stumbling block but you know i'm i don't know if it's just something with the way that we've gotten results in a different manner this season has kind of got me in a different True. mindset you know because before it was, yeah exactly and that's something that we've struggled to do for like the last seven or eight years you know, and also, you see the way. Or, or I mean, you, I completely agree. I mean, you look at the way we shut down Dortmund in the week. I mean, really, right. we scored our goal, and from that right. point, we had a couple of good chances. They had a couple of half chances, and that was it. I mean, all their good chances came in, um, from half time up to our goal, really. Um, and also against Napoli, we scored those two early goals, shut them down. So, again, if we play our game, we 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 can we can take them. I mean, it's as you say, it's. That there rarely has been such a good time to play Manchester United, and also, I mean, we've got. I mean, even if even if we were to lose the game, we're still going to be at least two points clear. I mean, United are eight points behind us. I mean, all the pressure is on David Moyes and Manchester United. So and I, I think just, that gives us a little bit more freedom to go in there and really look exactly, for a result yeah. because we've got that that little bit of cushion built up this early in the year. You know, if we'd lost in the in midweek as well, perhaps there would be a lot of talk about us not being able to. I mean. If we'd lost to Dortmund and then we lose to United, everyone says, well, Liverpool aren't actually a big team, so Arsenal still haven't beaten a big team. But now we're coming off the back of one of our best ever results in Europe. And everything feels so brilliant. You know, it's just, um, I, I, I mean, the chance to go 11 points clear of Manchester United by November 
I mean, it almost it's part of me. I don't know about you guys, but I still really can't believe it's happening. It just feels like a weird dream, and mm. we could. I just hope we're not really awakened at the weekend. Cool. Well, I, I think at the beginning of the season, um, when I saw that you know Man City were changing their manager, Chelsea were changing their manager, Man United were changing their manager, you know that that does cause a transitional period. It it causes upheaval. So I looked at it, and I honestly thought, you know, you know what, Liverpool and Arsenal, they've probably got the best chance they've had in a long time to actually do something this year and, and for us to improve. And then, you know, on transfer deadline day, you know, when Harry Redknapp had finally rolled his car window up, <laughs> we, we got Ozil in. And, and that's when I honestly thought, you know what, this this could be the year. I mean, I hate to say it, and we all go touch, wouldn't that? But this is probably the best chance we've had in years. And, it, and it's not just because of our own squad, but it's because of the transitional periods of, you know, the other teams. It's... Um, you know the TV money, the Emirates money, the you know the fact that we've finally been able to spend well. I I, I think a lot of things have come together. Um, I have to say, I agree with you, Rick, because I remember in the summer we were all frustrated with the lack of spending, and the one reason it really irked me was the fact you looked at what was happening at United and Chelsea and City, and you thought this is the summer we have to spend. This is yeah. the summer we take advantage, and it looked. I mean, really, until the twelfth, eleventh hour, that we weren't going to do it, and that was what really boggled my mind up till September 2nd you know it really felt like this is a chance and we're missing it and it looks like we might have seized it and, and doesn't it you know it, it's kind of a little bit frustrating you look back to you know trolley dash 2011 September you know we brought in five players in the last minute if we had instead concentrated on just one player that was not you know national class but was international class was a world-class player then things might have been different because you know as I said before earlier on the Van Perses of the world, the Teveses, the, the Ozils, the Ronaldos, the Messis, they're world class. They, they bring that little extra. And, and it's not you know, just about them playing well in every single game, as, as we've spoken about you know, this evening. It's, it's the catalyst that they bring to the team, the confidence that they bring to the team. That knock-on effect that Ozil has had on Ramsey, that knock-on effect that Ozil has had on, you know, Giroud in making sure that he gets into the best positions, I think it's had such an effect um, that I, I, I honestly, I don't know. This is this is a new era for us. It really I, is. I, I agree, Rick. But what, all I would say to that is that whilst we had to wait far too long for such a signing, any success that we have this season or in the years to come will be oh so sweeter because I will remember the 8-2. I will remember Bradford. I will remember losing to Blackburn at home. You will remember all these moments. And when you see, and again, we get we could be getting ahead of ourselves here, but if we go on to have some success this season or beyond that, it will be ever so sweet for because of all this, all the shit we had to go through. I mean, you look at I me, mean, what's so great about Aaron Ramsey at the moment was because he was really poor for quite a long time and it looked for a while that he wasn't ever going to make it. And, I mean, if he had just come straight into the team and been incredible, you know, hadn't had that injury and had just become world-class within a couple of seasons, it would be great. But it wouldn't be as great as it is now, where it's the ultimate redemption story from, you know, a young kid who breaks his leg and looks like he's never going to make it and then suddenly becomes... I mean, we would like to think the story's yet to, you know, it's going to end to a... He's going to win us something. That's what we hope. Mm. But, again, it seems that it applies to the whole team, you know any success we have, especially under Arsene Wenger, will become 
you know, we, this eight, nine years without a trophy thing is constantly thrown at Arsenal and Arsenal fans. And I just know that whenever we, we do win another trophy, and we will, it will be incredible because we've had this such a long period of, of a, lot of pain, a lot of pain and a lot of shit, really. So it's going to be, you know, I mean, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? But mm. I think we really do have legitimate reason to start getting excited. Okay, great. If I could get a word in, guys. <laughs> 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 My hopes and expectations are... Um, I'm just looking at the, the stats. We we haven't conceded more than one goal in the league since the opening day of the season. Am I right? I think so. Yes, I believe in, in the so. League. Yes. Yeah, uh, Man United have conceded more than one goal for well, quite a few games this season. So I'm going to go with we're either going to win two one or it's going to be a one or draw. I think I'm going to go with uh, Arsenal two one victory, and I'm going to say. <sighs> I don't know who's coming back. Is Walcott due back this weekend? It's touch and go. I think touch we'll find go, out in the next couple of days. All right, I'm going to say yeah. Santi Cazorla. Well, gonna... said that if he comes back this weekend, then he great. If he doesn't, then he won't play again you know, for England. Yeah. Um, funny that... Uh, is it Wilshire in the England squad? But anyway, yeah. um, uh, um, I'm going to say Santi Cazorla to score the first goal. Yeah, that's my that's my prediction. Has everyone made their prediction? Is, anybody, is there anybody no. else there? Uh, I haven't made mine yet. You haven't made it after all that. <laughs> all right, all right, mate. Jesus, what do you want me on here for? Uh, I've got 2-1 and Sagna to score first. Right. Go on, I'm throwing my first goal scorer, yeah. but I'm going to say uh, Giroud. Giroud. And what was your, what was your, what was your score line? 2-1. 2-1. To us. Right. Well, what about you, Cal? I've gone over my word limit. I should probably keep stum now, should I not? <laughs> <laughs> Went over that a long time ago, mate. All right, all right. I'm going to go for, I'm going to play it safe and say 7-1 to the Arsenal. <laughs> no, I know. I'm going to go for, I think we'll go behind, we'll go 2-1, we'll have tons of chances, and then we'll go up the other end and Ramsey will score and we'll win 3-1. So 3-1, first goal scorer. Uh, I said Meza Urza on the forum, so I'll go with Meza Urza. Again. You said we're going to go behind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should be in bed. I've been up since half seven. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. If we're going to go behind, <laughs> I will say Robin Van Persie will score. Uh, we'll all, we'll all, no, no, we'll uh, all feel sick. And at the end of the game, we'll see Aaron Ramsey with his sh- you know, shirt off, celebrating with the away fans. We'll see Van Persie trudging up the, off the pitch with a little boy inside him wondering he might have made a mistake. That's cool. This question. time he'll give his shirt to one of our players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be after Ramsey's shirt at half time. At half time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good shirt. Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. So, um, last two sections now. Um, do we have a. Let's go. In fact, let's, um, let's do a new feature, which is a uh, 30 second rant. If, it's, if in doubt, spit it out. We'll let uh, our guest. Rick, get on his soapbox. Uh, Rick, you've got 30 seconds to uh, get whatever it is off your chest. It can be anything football related. Fire away. So my rant is about the Arsenal fans' treatment of Aaron Ramsey. You know, when Shawcross tackled him, every Arsenal fan was in tears because they saw what a horrific tackle. You, you saw Fabregas' face. You saw everyone's face. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Yet, two years later, Arsenal fans were tweeting him 
death threats about how he wasn't performing, about he, you know, how he wasn't good enough to play for Arsenal. Well, look at him this season. Aaron Ramsey has come back. He's come back very, very strong. He's been at the forefront of our attack. And what are we now talking? Eleven goals this season. He's he's probably one of the top performing midfielders there is in England right now. And everyone is kind of thinking, well, hold on a sec. This guy could win Player of the Year. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> Countdown clock. <laughs> 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 I was done. No, that's good. And, what, you know, what, I, I, go I didn't really have a rant prepared, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm going to pile on. Mm-hmm. You know, I I always try to stay away from being overly negative against certain individuals. You know, I've had my my times where I've been critical of anger, but you know, as players go, they're going to have ups and downs. And when you're coming off of a horrible leg break like that, I mean, I've seen. I've seen in my own <clears throat> career players that I played with, you know, I never went professional or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, suffer that same injury and then never play again. Great. So to come back and play at that highest level is not an overnight thing. So to see him get back to, you know, better than any of us probably ever even expected in the first place is, it's nice to see. Great it's stuff. It's a shame that he was treated so Great poorly. stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John. Can I have, <laughs> can I have, can I just add... A few words. <laughs> Keep it all, I want to say, all I want to say is fuck Piers Morgan, who was on Twitter saying, sell him, sell him, sell him. What do you see in him, Wenger? And now he's saying, boom, Ramsey scores. And it's like, fuck off, you. I'm not going to drop the C-bomb. But I, I anyone, if anyone deserves it, it's that man. I cannot believe that you guys over in England shipped him off to us in America. <laughs> I think that is possibly one of the worst transfers there is ever. Well, there was a talk of him getting deported and everyone was like, no, no, you can keep him. <laughs> All the Arsenal fans here were going, yes, get rid of him. He's apparently got a voice over here. Great stuff. All right, great stuff. Thank you very much, guys. Um, it's been a it's been a great session, actually. We've, as always, we always overrun. But it's been a great session. I want to thank uh, Rick from um, Arsenal America come, for coming on. It's been, um, been wonderful. Hopefully we'll get to have you on again in the not-too-distant future, Rick. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Doing absolutely fantastic. Great stuff. Thank you. Um, uh, so it's good night from me. It's good night from Cal. Yeah, good night. I'll try and stick to yes or no answers next time around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good night from Leo. Night, guys. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And that was a Gunas World podcast, the Gunas Ramble. Thank you. You have been listening to the Gunas Ramble, a Gunas World podcast. <laughs>